right, come on, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Make some noise, excited to be here. Man, it is so good to see you guys. I want to welcome everybody online. We'll welcome our Ashland campus as well. We are, we are, we are one church in two locations, and God's doing a great thing there in the Boyd County area. And so if you know anyone around the Ashland Huntington area, we'd love for you to come be part of what God is doing there. Man, this has been a fun series today. We finished this series up. I've had so much fun walking through it. Usually in August, I talk about stress or anxiety or being busy because, you know, Sarah's going off to kindergarten for the first time, you know, Mike's going into the high school and parents are nervous or, or your kid's going off to college or you start a new job, so everybody's busy and stressed and anxious. And I usually talk about the emotions during that time, but this series, this, this month, uh, we did something different. We had some fun playing some different games. And we took some old school games that you played when you was a kid and we talked about them and learned some biblical principles from them. You know, week one we talked about Connect Four. And now, for you Bible scholars out there, if you search the Bible to try to find the word Connect Four, it's not in there, okay, I promise you. It's not. But we talked about here are four things you can learn from the early church to get connected to the family of God. And we're gonna practice those four things in our Wednesday night family nights coming up in September. I can't wait, it's gonna be so much fun. It's, it's a way for our church family to come together and study the Bible. Your family can come if you're a college student or if you're, it's just you and you're single, you come. And we have childcare available, we have youth studying the Bible, adults, we're gonna be studying the Bible. It's gonna be so much fun, I can't wait. We're gonna be talking about like the end times and prophecy and UFOs and aliens. Come on now, y'all excited about that. So it's gonna be so much fun. But uh, we're gonna practice those four things we talked about in week one. Then the second week, we talked about the game Jenga. It's what, what do you build your life on? What is it that you build? If you build your life on anything but Jesus, I promise you it's gonna be crashing down. If you build it on relationships and a relationship walks out from you, you will come tumbling down. If you build it on your, your, your net worth or things in your life and the accolades you have, if you build it on things that can fade away and go away, your life will come crumbling down. You've got to build it on the cornerstone. You've got to build it on Jesus. And we talked about that. Last week, we talked about one of my favorite ones, and that was the game of Monopoly. Not that it's my favorite, because that game lasts forever. You know what I'm saying? If you play Monopoly, like some of you are still playing it from a year ago. Like, it lasts a very long time. But it's talking about when's enough is enough. The Bible says the heart is never satisfied. And we go after things. And, and when is enough and enough? And how, how do you manage what God's given you in the game of life of Monopoly? Because at the end of the day, everything you have, everything you've lived for goes back in the box. And it's over. You've heard it said, you can't take your stuff with you, but you can send it ahead of you as you invest in the kingdom of God. So if you've missed any of the last three Sundays, I wanna encourage you, grab your phone, download our app. In fact, you can do that right now. Download our app, you can go there and you can watch it. And I'm just a commercial break. Our app is one of the best ways to be in the know what's going on at Bear Life Church. You wanna know about events like marriage night tonight, game night for married couples is tonight. You wanna know about baptism. You wanna know about stuff that's happening. That's the place to find it. We're not there just yet, but if we get bad weather and snow comes and you're like, are we having church and not having church? The app is the place. So make sure you download that. I'm telling you, it's, it's incredible what we can do through it. And so as we finish this series, we save one of the best games for last. Now, this game I'm gonna talk about today, it's, it's, a, it's actually a newer game. It's a game that, it's the first game to ever, actually the first app ever in the history of apps to be the first app to have one billion downloads. One billion downloads. And based on our props this week, can anybody guess what game that is? Come on, say it. 
Angry Birds, that's right. How many of you played Angry Birds before on your phone? Come on, you've had, how many is like, I've never heard of Angry Birds in my life and I'm getting angry because you're talking about Angry Birds, right? Like, like what in the world is that game? So long story short, the, the guys had this idea and it's kind of a crazy idea, but these pigs are stranded on an island and the pigs are hungry and the only thing they can find are eggs. So they go and they steal the eggs from the birds, hence, angry birds, and the birds get angry and they go and they try to destroy the fortress of the pigs. And so there's like this slingshot. In fact, I, we, we had our team build today and my daughter, she's gonna come up here and help me. Come on, Stacey, you come up here and help me real quick. And so basically the angry birds, would they would take this big old angry bird and they would put it in the slingshot and they would pull it back and see if we can knock, go ahead, sis, pull it back, see if you can knock those boxes down. Ready? Pull it hard, pull it hard, here it goes. And... Oh, no, it worked in the previews. Let's try it one more time. Here, try it one more time. Aim a little bit lower and pull it tight. See if you can get it, get it. Yes, all right, sis, way to go. I appreciate it, thank you so much. And this caused it all good, man, because you didn't go in and bust the rest of them. That was just, I get mad because they all didn't fall down. In fact, let me go and say, how many of you, be honest, be honest, you're in church, a guy came up to me one time and said, preacher, I went lie to you in church. I was like, I hope you won't lie to me outside of church, you know? I mean, and so how many of you be so honest that you, when it comes to playing games, sports, or something in your life, that there's, you can, there's a winner, right? Not, today we live in society, everybody's a winner. No, there's losers and there's winners. Look at the scoreboard, okay? And so how many of you be, be honest say, when it comes to playing I'm a little competitive. Like, come on, get your hand up. You are competitive, right? All right, awesome, great. So you, you are the ones who actually, you're psyching yourself up before you, before you play a game. Like, you're, you're getting the cards out and you make sure they're all ready. You're like, you're like, I'm gonna win. You're talking smack because you're competitive, right? You're for sure gonna win this game, right? And, and, and so you're competitive. How many of you, though, you would honestly say, if the game is not going your way or something happens, you get so competitive that you get angry? Come on, you get mad, right? Come on, you sit with your halo on. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you actually quit the game. I'm just done, I quit. Like, I'm just so mad, I quit. Or you turn the game over. Or God forbid, you begin to throw the pieces of the game at somebody. Come on now. I'm preaching. You're laughing because I'm preaching about something you know. Like, you get angry, right? Let me say something. In this world, you are gonna have trouble. And in this world, people are gonna hurt you, they're gonna wrong you, they're gonna walk out on you. In this world, there's gonna be things that make you mad. You are gonna get angry. You're gonna get angry, and it, it's gonna hurt you and hurt the people around you. So here's the question. How do I deal with this anger? And I'm not preaching at you, I'm talking to myself. All of us have been there before. You have been hurt, you have been wronged, something's happened in your life, a situation and even directly or indirectly and you've got mad or you get angry. How do you fix that? How as, how as a follower of Jesus do I battle and walk through that anger in my life? Because this is something that we really need to deal with. In fact, there's so many ways you can look at this, but really it narrows down to two types of people. There are spewers and then there are stewers. Spewers, they just erupt like a volcano when something goes, they just, they just, they just let it go, right? How many of you be so honest go, man, that's me, dude, I'm a spewer. Come on, I get mad and I just let it all out at once, right? They, we're spewers. But then they have stewers. These are the people, they don't say a word. They sit there and they just stew it. You know, they stew on it. They, they hold it in. Like their face turns red. You see that big vein popping out right here. And they, they don't say a word. They just hold it in. But eventually... A stewer will become a spewer because they've had enough. 
Slamming the cabinet doors is not enough. Stomping your feet, walking out of the room is not enough. Eventually, you will erupt and you will hurt the people that you love the most. Both of those are wrong. So how do I deal, how do I talk about something but not hold it in? But how do I not spew or, 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 or just stew on the problems or the pain or the anger that I'm dealing with? Because what happens is, we, 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 we happens, and guys, we really don't have this kind of relationship sometimes in our life. We don't call people just to vent to them. But ladies, you get this, right? Like, you have a venting partner. You have somebody, and you, just, like, you wanna call them up, and it's like, listen, I, I cannot believe it. She did this at work today. I, I mean, she just made me so mad. And you have somebody that you can go and vent to. In fact, you'll say, hey, I don't need you to talk right now. I just need to vent to somebody. That is not healthy because a lot of times what happens, you'll call somebody who's a, who you vent to and all they do is help you feel good about yourself and push you further in why you are right to be angry. I can't believe your husband, he is a dog. He deserves for you to do that to him. You'll have people who will talk and make you feel better and you'll confide in them because, listen, because they help you feel better that you have the right to be mad, that you have the right to be angry. But there's a difference between venting and confessing. And what you need really in your life is the confessing partner. You need someone. The Bible says, James says that if we confess our sins to one another, we could be healed. You actually need to pick the phone up and call somebody and say, man, today at work I got so upset, so mad, and it's ridiculous for me to act this way, and I just wanna confess it to the person I confide in, who's my friend, that I know better than this, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna work on this and no longer be like this. There's a difference between venting and confessing, and you have gotta figure out who in your life is somebody that you can, confess to, and this is so important because anger is dangerous. It is so dangerous. Look at Proverbs 25, 28. It says, like a city that is broken down without walls. Now, what does walls do? Walls protect you. Walls don't allow the enemy to come in. Like a city that is broken down and without walls, so is a person who cannot control his or her temper. When you can't control your temper, you've let down the walls in your life, watch this, to let the enemy in. You don't want to be that person. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through how do I, as a follower of Jesus, handle this hurt, this pain when I get angry and I get mad and I, just, and I want to rage at the situation that happens in my life. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm using the NET translation, the NET translation. If you have your Bible app, you can follow along right there with me. But Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul addresses this. And so let's just walk through this together for the next few moments and see if we can work on whether you're a spewer or a stewer or someone who slams cabinet doors or someone who just stomps their feet and walks out. Like, how do I deal with the anger of the situation that I may be in? And watch this, that affects every single one of us, or at least has or will affect us. So in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes this. So I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as Gentiles do and the futility of their thinking. Now let me stop right there. The Apostle Paul is writing to Gentiles. What's the difference? There's Jews and there's Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're considered a Gentile. That's what he's trying to say. He's writing to Gentiles, says there used to be a time where you were not converted to Christ. You were unconverted. And you used to operate in the useless ways that you used to think, because this is the battlefield. This is what the enemy wants. This is where the anger issue begins. He says, you used to live like that. Remember before you were saved? Remember when you didn't know Jesus? When you didn't know Christ? You wander around in darkness to the useless of your thinking. But you've been changed now. 
You're different now. Look what he says in verse 18. They, as you used to be, are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. They just didn't know. That is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Verse 19, because they are callous, because their hearts are callous. You know what callous is? You ever had a callous on your hand? You worked, you've done something, you got, you know, you've worked hard. My son, Logan, he's beginning to play the guitar and He's like, Dad, man, it hurts so bad. The end of my fingers hurts so bad holding the strings down. And I said, son, just give it a few days because you will grow extra skin on top of your fingertips and they will become callous and then no longer will you feel the pain or feel it in your hand. In the same way, what he's trying to say, their hearts have become callous and they have no feelings anymore. They don't understand the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They don't understand the things of God. Their hearts are hardened. That's how you used to be before you were saved, verse 19, because they are callous, they have given themselves over to every indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So when you see people practice impurity, it says, listen, it's because the hearts have been hardened. But watch this, that's how you used to be. That's not who you are now, verse 20. But you did not learn about Christ like this. This is not how you learned about Christ. If indeed you even heard about him and were taught him just as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 23, you were taught with the reference to your formal way of life to lay aside the old Daniel, to lay aside the old man, to lay aside how you used to be, but that's not who you are. How you used to be was corrupted in accordance to your sinful, deceitful desires. Your heart was corrupted, but guess what? It has been changed. You have been transformed by the glory of God. Verse 23, here's how you do this. You were once deceitful desires, but you've been renewed in the spirit or the attitude of your mind. You've put on the new man. You've put on the new Daniel. You've been clothed now with the righteousness of Christ, and you've been given God's created image. That is now you. It's righteous, and it's holy, and it comes from truth. Here's what he's trying to say. You used to be far away from God, but now you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and now you've been clothed with him. What you used to do, how you used to live, you no longer have an excuse. That's what happens when it comes to anger. Well, my grandma was always angry, my mama was always yelled, and now because she yelled, I yelled. My dad was hot-tempered, and I guess I just learned it from my dad because he was hot-tempered, and now I'm hot-tempered. Well, guess what? Because of Jesus, you have the power to break that generational curse. You no longer can play this victim mentality and say, well, I used to be like that. Well, my parents, well, I was raised, I'm my coach, how I used to be. Listen, you've now been clothed. You put the old Daniel away, now you've got the new Daniel one. And so you no longer have to live like that anymore. But what happens is we make these excuses. That's just how I am. You know, as a kid, I've always just been angry. I got anger issues. And we laugh about it. You need AA, right? You need anger management in your life. Like, you, no, no, wait a second. You have the power to renew your mind. He just told us, this is the battlefield, and choose not to act out in anger or wrath or hatred. That's how we fix it. Verse 25. Now watch this. Therefore, now, if you, if you study your Bible and you see the word therefore, that's really a great indication that everything that was just written above this, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, that used to be far away from God and used to think with useless thoughts, your hearts were callous, 
Therefore, guess what? Jesus came, he died, he got up out of the grave for you. If you repent of your sins, put your faith and trust in him, you'll be saved. Now you've put on the new person. Now you've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You're created in God's image. Now that you have the Holy Spirit living within you. So you can't blame anymore how you used to be. You've been changed. That's what that's impacting that word right there, therefore. Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one should speak the truth with his neighbor. Now, the Apostle Paul quotes an Old Testament quote here where God was angry at his people and then he spoke, he said the truth. Because we are members of one another, we're one big church family. Then right here, watch this, watch this, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. How in the world do you do that? Keep going, do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity or your translation may say a foothold in your life. Let's walk through that, those two verses real quick. First of all, it says be angry and do not sin. Does that sound like a dichotomy? Does that sound like an oxymoron to some people? Like how in the world can I be angry and not sin? So the Bible is obviously clear. There is a righteous anger that is not sinful. But 99.99% of time for me and most likely for you, when anger comes, it becomes sinful anger. Because what we say, how we act, what comes from it, even if it comes from a righteous standpoint, it can lead to a sinful behavior or sinful words that we speak to over someone. So the apostle Paul's like, listen, there's a fine line here. Be angry, but do not sin. Jesus walks in the temple, he was angry, he was passionate, turned over tables yet he did not sin. He was angry in Mark 3 because the Pharisees got onto him for healing someone on the Sabbath who had a withered hand, and he was passionate about it. And here's what happens when you and I read those Bible verses like that. Like, be like Jesus, he was angry, not sin. And here's what happens, you're like, yo, bro, but he's Jesus. Like, he's God. He can't sin because he's God. And so because he can't sin, you can't compare me to Jesus because he's God. Well, guess what Paul said? Therefore, Jesus now lives in you. And because he lives in you, you have the same power that he has. So you do have the power to control your tongue. You do have the power to control your mind. You do have the power to control your words and your thoughts because he lives within you. And I'm gonna be honest with all the competitive people, and I'm competitive with all the competitive people in here. If your anger wins, you lose. Even though you think you won because you shut them up because you got louder and you screamed louder and you shut them down and you think you won, listen to me, you lose. And you've got to figure out where is this anger coming from because here's the reality. Anger is only a secondary emotion. It's not a primary. Anger is not your issue. There is something behind your anger, watch this, that you have not dealt with. There is hurt, there is pain, there is suffering. Something's happened in your life that has put this guard of anger up to protect you because you think anger protects you. Anger is only a secondary emotion. Anger is not your problem. It is the symptom. There is a root that has been, needs to be eradicated from your heart for you to deal with the anger problem that you have. But here's what it is. If I get angry, it protects me, and it will not allow someone to hurt me. I will not allow someone else to hurt me. So we puff up with anger thinking that it's gonna help us. But let me tell you something. 
Hurting people hurt people. And if you're an angry person, you are a hurting person. There's some hurt that has happened in your life. Paul goes on and says this, do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Now I've heard married couples, they stand up and says, let me tell you why our marriage is so successful. It's because we made a vow based on God's word right here that we would never go to bed angry at each other, that we will fix, and we stayed up late sometimes early in the wee in the morning, and sometimes I've slept on the sofa, but we vowed to each other because the Bible says we will not go to bed until the sun goes down. That's why some of y'all need to move to Alaska. Because there's times for three months the sun don't go down and you can hold a grudge for a long time. Like, I'm gonna claim that verse. You know what? I'm gonna be mad for three months until the sun finally goes down, right? Is that what literally he's saying? Is that what he means? Well, when we start understanding the Jewish customs and the calendar and the context, we understand now what the Apostle Paul is getting to. Why does he say don't let the sun down? What's so significant about the sun going down? Well, when you look at the Jewish customs in the calendar, remember we talked about this on Good Friday? That at 3 p.m. when Jesus gave his last breath, they went and they had to take the body down because at 6 p.m. started the Sabbath. 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. is the new day. See, when the sun begins to go down, that's when the new day starts. What happens in the new day? God says in the new day, in the morning, in the new day, my mercies are new every day. In the new day, my grace is new every day. The evening is a time to start the new day, which means there's gonna be a clean slate, clean books. It's time for you to rest, resolve, fix the problems. You get to start all over. In fact, for your Bible scholars out there, if you go all the way back to Genesis and you listen to the creation order of God when God created the heavens and the earth and every day, and I, I believe literally, based on the context of the scripture, it was a 24-hour literal day when God created the heavens and the earth. But if you look at it, it says there was evening and then there was morning. Have you ever paid attention to that in, your, in the Genesis? There was evening and then there was morning. There was evening and then there was morning. Why did Moses write it that way? It's because that's what the Jewish calendar started. The new day started in the evening to the morning. And so when he says, do not let the sun go down, he says, listen, fix your problems before the new day starts because tomorrow is a new day. You get a do-over. You get a mulligan for all my golf fans out there. You get to start all over. That doesn't mean the pain's gonna go away. That doesn't mean the hurt's gonna not be there tomorrow. But you have a conscious choice and decision to say, I will not go to bed angry that I can forgive this person or whatever may happen in your life. So Paul says, don't, listen, you get a new day. Start the new day off right with a clean slate, a clean mind. Because if you don't, did you see the rest of the verse? If you don't, here's what you do. You give the devil a base of operations in your life. You will give the devil an opportunity in your life, a foothold that will become a stronghold when you don't deal with anger and you don't deal with this correctly, here's what you do. You open up areas of your life where your walls have come down and you will give the devil the opportunity. That's what the apostle said. You will give the devil a foothold in your life to run his schemes and operations from. Do you want that? then we gotta stop blaming the generational curse and we gotta stop blaming they hurt me, they wronged me and I have a right to be mad, I have a right to be angry and I have a right to have bitterness and resentment in my life. You have the right to do it. And listen, and Paul says you don't have a right because you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. So you no longer can blame on that. So how do I fix it? 
How do I walk through this hurt and pain in my life that every single one of us have suffered from and every single one of us has gone through? Verse 28, the apostle Paul throws this verse in there and says, the one who steal must steal no longer. Instead, he must labor doing good with his own hands so they will have something to share with the one who has needs. Here's what the apostle Paul says. You know what he's saying right here? Get a job. Quit stealing off people. Work with your own hands so you'll have enough to do what? Hoard it? No, look what he says. That you'll be able to share with other people who are in need. And then verse 29. So you must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building up the one in need that would give grace to those who hear it. Listen to me. That verse right there, married couples, I wish I had time to preach. We have another whole sermon. That one verse right there, every married listen, if you would go home and the only word, sir, that came out of your mouth was to build your wife up, encourage your wife, and lift her up, I promise you in the next seven days it'll change your marriage. I'm serious. You're, there's life and death in your tongue. You have the power to destroy or you have the power to build up. And most of us in anger towards our spouse or whatever it may, we tear them down because we know they're hot button. We take for granted that they will always be there. Well, they'll just put up with it. Well, this is the only power I have, so I'm gonna speak my mind. Listen to me, ladies. If you would go home and the only words that come out of your mouth was to build your husband up, to encourage him and lift him up, I promise you for the next seven days, it would change your marriage. It would change your marriage. Now listen to me, listen to me, ladies. Now tonight, when your husband looks at you and he encourages you and he builds you up, don't you get sassy, you're just saying it because Pastor Daniel told you to say it. Like, you don't get sassy with him. Help the brother out, he's trying to help you. Help him out. In fact, you'll say, oh, that was so sweet and cute. You're trying, keep, come on more, please, talk more. The Bible is true, if no unwholesome word came out of our mouth and all we did was build each other up and whether you believe in God or not, do you think our world will look different if we just practice that? You know it would be different. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How can I grieve the Holy Spirit? Because you've been clothed with the Holy Spirit. He is now in you. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's another whole sermon which had time. Basically saying you've been sealed so when Jesus comes back, we're gonna be talking about that. You've been sealed, you're eternally secured in Christ. Verse 31, here it is. You must put away all bitterness, all anger, all wrath, all quarreling, all slanderous talk, indeed, all malice. Could you imagine, just say it, could you imagine what our society will look back, our culture, our world, if, if we decided that we would get rid of all bitterness, all anger, all wrath, all quarreling, all slanderous talk, indeed, all mouth. I think our social media would just kinda go away, right? I mean, we'd have no reason, because that's the only reason why we the bash people. What would our world look like? What would your relationships look like? So that word get rid of means to lift up. It's, a, it's, it's, it's written for you to lift up, to take it off, to you put it away, that you get rid of it. So how do I do that? All of that to get to this last verse. And in the last three minutes of this message, I'm gonna give you the three things. It's right here in the text. How do I fix this problem? Well, look what he says, verse 32. Instead, you have a choice, right? Instead, you have a choice. 
Instead, be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. So real quickly, here it is. What's the remedy? Number one, be kind. Be kind. I mean, I didn't make this up. It's right here. Be kind. I don't want to be kind. They hurt me. They wrong me. I want to be angry. You don't have to anymore. Be kind. Two, be compassionate. The Greek word here for compassion is a compound word between these two words. And the end of the compound word, it's, it's the inner being of a person. It's like the it's, it's like the internal organs that are so vital in our life that you don't see them. And it means it comes from a deep internal affection, a compassion of love towards someone. If you read through the New Testament, it says Jesus was compassionate and he healed them. Jesus was compassionate and he fed them. It came from Jesus was compassionate and he wept for them. It came from an internal, real deep down inside. Where does that come from? It comes when the Spirit of God who is in you is living through you. And here's what I'm saying. Man, I've tried to be kind. I've tried to be nice. Try to be compassionate. But here's the problem. And that's the third one. Be forgiving. And forgive them. You know why you won't forgive the person who hurt you, wronged you, walked out on you, whatever it may be? who said something bad about you. You know why you won't forgive them? It's because if you forgive them, they win. So I'm gonna hold a debt over their head for the rest of their life. And when I see their name, hear their name, think about them, I see the pain from the past or something, for, I see something, they, and my blood just boils, I'm gonna call my friend and I'm gonna vent and I'm gonna talk about how bad they are and they're gonna make me feel good about myself. And if I let this debt go, they win. It's the only thing I can hold over their head. And that's because you don't understand forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. Because you know what happens if you don't forgive the person who hurt you and wronged you, walked down you, whatever you may have, the harm? And I'm gonna be honest with you, your anger issue has come from hurt in your life. That's why you're angry. And if you don't let this go and forgive, that anger turns into bitterness and that bitterness turns into resentment and that resentment turns back to the old way of a callous, hard heart. And listen to me. And you will die a very lonely, angry, bitter, resentful person because no one wants to be around an angry, resentful, bitter person. All because you've allowed it to callous your heart because you won't forgive them. But pastor, if I forgive them, they win. That's the only thing I have the good to hold on to that makes me, makes you what? Angry? So what you're saying is, if I don't forgive, here's what you've just done. You've opened up yourself for the devil to have a base of operation in your life that affects everything around you. 
because anger affects your, your, your marriage, it affects your parenting, it affects your coworkers, it affects your career, it affects your life. Anger affects everything. So what do you want me to do? You ready? Forgive. I had this person I was counseling one time, they said, I know what I need to do, Pastor. I know I need to forgive them. And in time, I'll come to the grips in my life to forgive them. But right now, I can't. And I said, yes, you can. In fact, I'm not gonna let you walk out of the office until you do. You have a choice. And you can either choose to let the devil have an opportunity in your life right now, or you can choose right now to forgive. What do you wanna do? Quit saying someday, maybe I will, and I can, or I can't. You have the power of the Holy Spirit right now to say this. And you know what? That's what I love about the Bible. I love about the Bible. It's so relevant. It's so true. Is that God knew that me and you would have such a hard time of letting go and have a, such a hard time of forgiving the pain and the hurt and the scars and the, all the stuff. And we know the scriptures that vengeance is the Lord. We know that God sees it and God would justify it. We know in his eyes and his time, he will take care of it. But he knew that you and I would struggle with this. So through the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul, he wrote this. Did you, did you catch what's at the end of verse 32? Look what it says, put it back up for me. Be kind, be compassionate and forgive. Now look, look, just a, just a reminder just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. How many times have you turned your back on God? How many times you've walked out on God? How many times have you took God's name in vain? And I'm not talking about a swear word. I'm talking about you claim to be a Christian, but you act a certain way. That's taking God's name in vain. And what has God done to you? He was kind. He was compassionate. And he sent his son to pay your debt that you can never repay. Imagine if God held your sin and your debt over your head for the rest of your entire life. But God doesn't do that. He sent his son to cancel your debt. And just as my son has canceled your debt, which was many, you cancel their debt. And when you do, your wound will become a scar and you won't forget it. And it will always be there. But now you can use your scars to minister to my people. Your pain and suffering, what the enemy meant for evil, God could use it for good. In fact, Jesus ministers through scars. Thomas, you see the holes in my hand? You see my scars? And once your scar has healed, and there's a scar, and we all have them, you'll be able to use that to minister to the people around you. So knowing that, anger leads to this. What do you think Paul's gonna say? Listen, be angry, but don't sin. Deal with it quickly. Find out where it comes from. Unpack it. If you've been hurt and wrong, forgive the person. Be kind and compassionate to them. Don't let any unwholesome word come to their mouth. And watch what God does in your life. And then maybe no longer will you be an angry bird. 
I'm going to ask for your word to bow your heads. You may be asking, well, why do you ask us to bow your heads every time? Let me tell you why I, I do that. I just give you just a moment to reflect on what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you're angry because I called out your anger and you're embarrassed because your spouse is sitting beside you going, oh my gosh, he's preaching to me. Listen to me, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit bringing it to the surface says, sir, ma'am, you can deal with that right now. Let's deal with it. Maybe the reason why you have a hard time forgiving is because you've never truly, truly been forgiven. Maybe. And so today you can be forgiven of all your sin. Can you imagine all your sin, all your debt canceled? That's not my word. That's what the God's word says. He says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Paul says. And so right where you are, you can confess your sins and cry out and put your faith and trust in Jesus. And just in a moment, your host, your campus pastor, they're gonna come out. They're gonna share with you your next steps because we're all about taking next steps here at Bear Life Church. And so as we finish this series and through the game of life, you're gonna get angry and you're gonna get mad and you're gonna be hurt and you're gonna be wounded. And the remedy to that quickly is to realize you are not who you used to be. You've now been changed. You put on the new you through Christ. Now you can be kind, you can be compassionate and you forgive just as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, that's new every single day. Thank you that your word tells us that you're slow to anger. That God, you're so compassionate towards us and you love us. And that God, that you forgive us even when we blow it all the time. So Father, I pray today as we some of that pains come to the surface again and we're reminded of the hurt and the scars. We're reminded of the person or the, the situation that's hurt us. I pray that God, that you would give us the strength and the faith to take a step towards being healed because hurting people hurt people and we don't wanna hurt no more. We wanna let it go and give it to you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.